What's up, y'all? Welcome to this episode of My Black Book Journal, powered by Act Justly Love Mercy. I'm really excited about today's show. And no, we're not covering a book today, um, but we I did want to share a message with you all that I was able to share last month um, entitled A Good Testimony from Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 3. And I really want to share this because I talk a lot about in this message um, the legacy of faith in the life of the Christian, um, but I also use the history of faith in the life of the black Christian and believer in America. So I really wanted to um, push this out here to you all because it's been such an encouragement. I've had people reach out to me and tell me how encouraged they were by this message. So I wanted to share it. Um, But before we jump into it, let me share this listener review. It comes from Katie McDaniel and the title of it is Thankful with a Little Smiley Face. Katie says, As a white Christian, I am so thankful to listen to Danny's insights and perspective as he reads about the lives and legacy of black leaders. What a gift to the church, what a gift to us all. Katie, thank you so much for your kind uh, comment. Also, you all remember that you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to rate, uh, subscribe and review um, and check us out on Facebook or Instagram at My Black Book Journal. Again, that's at My Black Book Journal. And you can follow the work that we're doing over at actjustlylovemercy.org. So I'm looking forward to jumping in. Guys, y'all be great. So today I want to talk to you guys a little bit um, about a good testimony from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. And that'll be kind of my base text, uh, but I'm actually going to dive into certain portions of Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to take a look at some of the uh, people of faith and how they live faithfully in their time. So uh, I'm going to read our verse and then we'll j- jump into it. Um, sounds like you all are pretty familiar with, with tra- the tradition. So I will say this is the word of the Lord and um, you all can respond. Thanks be to God. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the words were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Verse six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you all, in our contemporary Christian tradition, faith has come to mean many different things. Yes, faith is something that we do. And yes, faith is something that we exercise, but faith is actually more than that. Faith is who we are. Let me say it this way. We are people of faith, men and women whose very nature has been changed. So when the Bible calls us to live faithfully, it calls us to live authentically as who we are now in God. I like how Dr. Tony Evans defines faith. He says to act, faith is to act as though God is telling the truth. So when we live faithfully, we live in accordance with the truth of God's word. When the writer of Hebrews sits down and he begins to think about what he wants to say to the people of God at this time, he wants to remind them of what it means like what, to define faith for them. And he doesn't do that in a way that says, hey, this will fit nice and neat in a definition uh, in a Merriam-Webster dictionary. No, I want to give you all a picture of what faith is by describing how people of God live that faith out. And so what he does, he says, look, Jesus is better. The blood that he shed is better than the blood that was shed by bulls and goats. Jesus is a more faithful, a, a better high priest that stands and lives to make intercession for us always. He 
He takes time to encourage us to keep going, to not quit, to persevere. And he does that by looking at the people of God and describing how God has faithfully worked in their lives throughout the ages. I love how uh, Warren Wearsby says it in his exposition of Hebrews 11. He says, true Bible faith is to give yourself over to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. And we see that in the men and women of God that he begins to profile. I think of it this way, that to live a life of faith is to live a life of advocacy and protest. We live a life of advocacy by faith that says, I'm advocating, I'm pursuing the kingdom of God and its values. I'm willing to come up against unjust systems, uh, the sin and wickedness, right, to advance God's kingdom. But we also live a life of protest against the ways of this world, showing that God is at work. And we say that the worldly system, the system that seeks to leave God out and marginalize God and put him in certain aspects, we say No, God is not relegated to just one aspect of life. God is not just relegated to being in a building or just devotional time. We see God as the ruler and king of all things. And so we push against any place that would seek to leave God out, any system that would seek to leave God out. And so as I was thinking about this, I thought about how faith produces certain things in the people of God's life. As I read through Hebrews 11, I thought about how first, how we've been given a legacy of faith that produces pain. Now, pain is not a word that we like to really talk about in church or something that we like to experience. But it is impossible to overlook the pain that many of the people of God endured. Let's take a look at Abel, the second born son of Adam and Eve in Hebrews 11. And it says this, by faith. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. Abel suffered death at the hands of his brother because of his righteousness and his desire to please and follow God. One thing that we learn from the scripture and the lives of God people, whether it be Abel Abraham, Noah, Joe, Rebecca, Naomi, Ruth, Daniel, David, uh, Paul, Peter, or Jesus is that pain in the life of the people of faith is inevitable. Jesus says this. He says, look, in me, you'll have peace. I've spoken my words to you to give you peace, but I want you to take heart because in this world, you'll have trouble. Jesus warns us that he gives us what we need to endure, to live faithfully. He gives us the peace that we need in a a world filled with chaos. He gives us what we need to go and establish order. But he wants us to know that if you decide to follow me, they will do to you what they've done to me. If they talked about me, if they put me down, if, if they said all manner of evil things against me, they will do the same thing to you. And so Jesus wants us to know that in this world, we will have pain. I don't like that. <laughs> right? Like, let's just be honest. Like, nobody really signed up to Jesus to follow Jesus because we wanted to have pain in our lives. Like, most of us signed up to follow Jesus, right? Like, yeah, Lord, I surrender my life to you because I, I really want you to get rid of my pain. Right? I really want you to do something about my situation and my circumstances. I know that's why I originally came to the Lord. I grew up in church. 
And I was I was in college and going through a very difficult circumstance in my life. And I was sitting out of my car one night really late. And I was like, God, I need you to change my situation because I'm making a mess of like all these opportunities that you've given me. My dad was a pastor. My mom was faithfully in church. And and I was like, hey, God, can you change my situation? Like, I need you to flip this around for me because this this ain't working out the way I'm doing it. And instead of instead of God changing my situation, he changed my heart. He began to transform the way I viewed the different things I was going through. He didn't take a lot of that pain away, but for the first time, I felt his love, peace, and presence with me. Y'all, I've learned that the work of growth and faithfulness is often more painful than we would ever choose for it to be. And the reason why I think of this is I read the scripture. I'm going to give you my reason why this is. It's because God's word produces an attack. So let me say it this way. When God speaks, his word has the ability to create whatever he said he's going to do, right? So if God has said something, that then invites an attack. I'll say it like this. Um, when Jesus goes out and goes to John, he gets baptized by John. And heavens open up, a dove descends on him. It's like this glorious moment. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Like, it's this awesome moment. And then, like, immediately after that, Jesus is driven out into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days, right? It's like, that's not really how it should work. Like, if I just got this great, like, confirmation, like, of the Lord, it should be like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. Now I'm going to do miracles. Pause, right? If you, because if you really believe this, it has to be tested. Adam and Eve, garden, this freedom of everything that I've, of every tree in the garden, you can freely eat except for the one in the midst of the garden. Don't touch that one. Don't, don't eat of that one. For the day you eat of it, you'll surely die. So what is it that the enemy attacks? Did God really say? Well, I don't care if you eat from that tree or that tree, but did God really say you can't eat from this one? Is he keeping something from you? He attacks the very word that you've been given. So when, when, we, when we believe God's word, it's like what Jesus says, that sower that goes out and spreads seed, right? And it's like, it's, it's all these things coming after what? It's not coming after you, it's coming after the seed. Because if that seed germinates in it and it grows up, then it'll produce what God desires. It'll produce God's results. So the enemy doesn't want God, God's kingdom to germinate, so he pre-attacks that seed. I begin to think about this is why, this is why sometimes we experience so much, so much pain. Uh, I thought about how Cain, is so enraged at his brother, Abel. Why? Abel didn't do anything to Cain. It was Abel's faith and his faithfulness to God that he believed that I can, like, if I, if I approach God in the way that he says he wants to be approached, then he'll respond to me. And so when Abel does that and Cain gets rejected, instead of bowing and bending himself to the will of God, he revolts against it and kills his brother, I thought about how often because of sin, we create environments that are not conducive to human flourishing because we reject the way of God. Oftentimes in our society and in our churches, we will build a Christianity, a Christianity that that does not produce places of righteousness, justice or the shalom of God. I think sometimes we are unwilling to submit to God's ways and desires because of the pain that often accompanies the pursuit of God and walking in obedience. 
But when I think about men and women in our day, like the like the Abel's or the Abraham's or the Moses's of old, I think about men and women who, in spite of the circumstance and situations and the potential outcomes that may come from their faithfulness, they chose to follow God anyway. I think of men like John Perkins, who was driven out of uh, Mississippi to California because of the murder of his brother, who is called back to Mississippi, preaches the gospel, plants a church, and then is viciously beaten for standing up for righteousness and equity and truth. Then I think of somebody like Dr. like Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth, who started the Alabama Movement for Human Rights and how how this man was was a faithful preacher of righteousness to 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 the state and to injustice and was willing to confront anybody who did not line up with God's word. So he preached the gospel, but not only in word, he did it also in deed. A man who experienced bombing, who who experienced the, the, the death of four little girls in this city. I think about people like Fannie Lou Hamer. I think about people like John Lewis. I think about those people who diligently sought to bring the kingdom of God and suffered for righteousness sake. Now, some people would say they would push back and say, is that for righteousness sake? Yes, because they sought to exercise their faith in a way that brought about the kingdom of God and a more fuller expression of what they viewed God was trying to do in their day. I was reading recently Esau Macaulay's book, um, Reading While Black, and he says this as he reflects on the suffering um, and interweaves it with the language of Hebrew. So he inter- he, he's, he's, he's reflecting on Hebrew 11, Hebrews 11 and, um, and black suffering. He says this. And what more shall we say? For the time would fail me to tell of the lynching tree, the red summer, the dogs and the water hoses, the sit-ins, Emmett Till, Megger Evers, Martin Luther King Jr., the people who defied governors and presidents, brave mobs and sang victory, people of whom the world was not worthy. The history of black people in this country is a litany of suffering. Yet we are definitely more than this suffering. There is a thread of victory woven into the tale of despair. We are still here. So this first Sunday in Black History Month, I think it's really important that we reflect on the legacy of faith that we have inherited. I think about the legacy of faith that I've inherited and that these people don't just belong to me as a black man. They belong to the church universal. Right. We talked about one Catholic and apostolic church when we said that the creed. Right. Right. They are members of the Catholic universal church. Right. Following in the apostles doctrine and footsteps, seeking to speak the truth of God's word to the powers of their day, calling men to repent and live in accordance with repentance. But not only did they experience pain in pursuit of what God had said by faith, they also left us a legacy of faith that produces prayer. The people of faith passed down this legacy when they suffered, they learned to endure by engaging God in conversation. They conversed with God about his word and his promises. They talked to God about their their fears, their joys and their pain. They were honest about their hopes and honest when they experienced immense disappointments and setbacks. Sometimes they wrestled with God's will and at other times they sought to forgive those who had greatly wounded them. They interceded for nations and their people. They drew strength from the presence of God and they were reminded that they were not alone and that they were not limited by their own strength. 
when I, when I think about this and this, this, this legacy of prayer that we've been passed down in these people of faith, I think about Moses. Moses was a man who grew to know the importance of abiding with God in prayer. Hebrews 11 verses 23 to 27 says this about Moses and his parents. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You all, we can understand prayer as communication with God. But though we don't see God, when we pray, we pray in faith. And when God speaks to us in prayer, conversing with him, we receive by faith. Believing that God dwells in us and with us and among us. When I view Moses' life, it's difficult for me to believe that he didn't learn how to pray from his parents. Um, when I see the man who, who, who spoke with God face to face as a friend, I see his parents that were willing to sacrifice their lives to see God's promises fulfilled in their son's life. Moses' parents we're not afraid of the king's command. And, and when I think about that, I think about courage. And I think about how often, like courage can be like a really fleeting thing sometimes. Sometimes we ask for courage when we're afraid or sometimes we ask for courage when we're uncertain about what to do. Sometimes we ask for courage when we have to have a really difficult conversation with somebody. Maybe it's a coworker, or maybe it's a loved one or a spouse or a friend. And we don't really know how to go about doing that in love how to speak the truth to them in a way that they can receive that without feeling like we're tearing them down. Now, in those moments, we do need courage. We do need God's strength and spirit to help us be peacemakers and not peacetakers. But most need it for difficult conversations. They needed it for the strength to love and to disobey what many saw was an all-powerful Pharaoh. They chose civil disobedience and protest then aligned themselves with unjust laws by an unjust ruler. You all think about, so, so I pictured this, I thought about how, how, how they were willing to go against the state knowing that what they were being commanded to do was wrong. So Pharaoh wanted them to kill all the boys that were born told that to the midwives and the people of Hebrew. He, 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 de- he decreed that this is what should be done. But the people of faith, unwilling to bow their knees to the, to the ruler of that day, said, I would rather give my life than to see, to, to obey something I know that is unjust. What is it that makes, that cripples us in fear? What is it that makes us so afraid sometimes from doing what we know to be right? What else is it that key? Is, is it the fear of missing out or is it the fear of if we make a misstep, we might be somehow outside of God's will and he might not be able to get us back on track? Is it the fear of rejection on social media? Is it the fear of having a difficult conversation about something we know to be true? We have a legacy, a, a history of, of prayer 
of, of communing and going before God, of talking to God, speaking to God and him speaking back, giving his word life and empowering us to do exactly what he's called us to do when he's called us to do it. I, I'm I, as as as. As Jonathan remembered, I'm, I'm, I'm a uh, part of the Birmingham Ann campaign, which seeks to, to, to educate and organize Christians for faithful civic engagement. Um, and one of the things that we really believe in is prayer and action. Now, we believe for the need to engage, to get out and do, to get out and act. But we also, as believers, are rooted in the faith tradition of praying, believing that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Believing that we need to we need the power of God's word that we need to see beyond how we engage so that we don't fall into the trap of just trying to engage as a Republican or a Democrat. We seek to bring God's kingdom. And, and we have a tradition that, that 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 encourages in that that leaves a legacy for us. The people uh, God, God responded to the people of, of Israel while they were in bondage in Egypt. Why? Because they prayed there. It says their cry came up before the Lord. He saw them, he heard their cry, and he responded to it. Beloved, as I was thinking about this, I thought about the Montgomery bus boycott that lasted 360 plus days. And how nightly people would gather in these mass meetings to pray and to be encouraged by being with other people of God. How they would lift up their hearts and songs of freedom and songs and spirituals and songs of life, crying out that God could give them strength to endure severe, being encouraged by God's word as people sought to take the word of God and apply it biblically to their day and how they should engage. Beloved, we have a we have a roadmap. We have we have a legacy that has been passed down to us that draws strength from being with God. That says, I'm willing to confront in God's power and justice. But not only that, we also have a legacy of faith that produces a fulfillment of the promises. So not only do we experience pain and not only only do we learn to take that pain to God in prayer, but we also learn that God is faithful and he keeps his promises. Hebrews 11, 13 says, these all died in faith. All of them. Adam, Noah. Abraham, David, they all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Beloved, when Adam and Eve were put out of the garden of God, they left with the promise that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. They didn't see this crushing themselves, but they died in faith, believing that God would keep his promises. When Abraham got appeared to him and told him, I will make you the father of many nations, give you more, 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 more descendants than the stars in the sky and the sand on the shore. He didn't experience that fruitfulness of his lineage, but he died in confidence, knowing that God would keep his promises. And he also taught his children. He taught Isaac how to seek and to trust God. Even passed it on to his grandchildren, Jacob and Esau. And we see that so much so that we see them begin to repeat his pattern after he's gone. And left his home and doesn't know what else to do. We find him laying his head on 
calling out to God and God responding to him, echoing back to Abraham. He did not see the promise himself, but he believed that God was faithful. Countless men and women throughout the ages have trusted that God was able to do exactly what he said. They gave their lives. They gave their resources. They gave their all, believing that God was doing something far greater. And they lived day in, day out. Sometimes we talk about these men and women and we talk only about their exploits. But they, they, they raised their children. They married, they worked, they labored, but they did all of that with the assuredness that God would meet them and, and fulfill his promises. That God was faithful in the big stuff and he was faithful on the day in, day out stuff. We have a legacy of that. A legacy of faithful living. As I get ready to close, Hebrews eleven thirty nine through 40 says, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise God had provided something, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down the right hand of the throne of God. That last part was Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. People of God, we are heirs of the promise, and we stand in light of the faithful witness of Christ Jesus. But we are surrounded by those who have gone before us. We're surrounded by those cheering us on, saying it is possible to live faithful for God in impossible situations and circumstances. That it is possible. You know, and I thought about this, you all, and I'll leave you all with this, that that the people of God, when the people of God live faithfully for God in their day, when they run their leg of the race, faithfully believing in God, uh, uh, laying down the burdens and, 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 un, and un, ensnaring themselves from the sin that so easily ensnares, when they, when they decide to, to, to follow and chase after God in their generation, when they live faithfully, it is a witness of life and death to the world. So the Bible says that all people will die and stand before God and give an account for what they've done in the body, whether good or bad. All of us will have to stand before God and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. And, and if you live faithfully for God, you will hear that well done. What happens, though, to those who did not live faithfully? Who's here? Depart, and they say, hold up. Now, I know I live faithfully for you. Now, why are you telling me to depart from you? Or they say, it was too hard, Jesus. It was impossible to actually live faithfully you, faithfully to you. Circumstances I was under, God will point at you and say, you don't know what they endured. But they still said yes to me. They still decided to follow me. You don't know the heartache and the pain that they experienced. You don't know the brokenness of their own soul. You don't know all that they went through. And yet, they still said yes. Your life is a testimony, a faithful witness to the fact that God is faithful and keeps his promises. And he leaves all men and women without an excuse. So on that day, God can look at your life as the fruit of righteousness, but also point to his son, Jesus. 
who endured faithfully. Though he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Though he was persecuted, he forgave and offered forgiveness to all that would call upon his name. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the example of the people of God who have gone before us. We thank you, Lord, that you have an enduring testimony, Lord, that 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 is not shaken and goes throughout every age and every time and every season, Lord. And we are so grateful, God, for your work and that you have invited us into that work. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are using our lives in profound ways. In ways, Lord, that give off the fragrance of life. God, to show that you are able to do exactly what you say. So, God, help us to be people of faith. Help us to to not shy away from the confrontation of the kingdom of God, but to press in and persevere, to see your kingdom advance and to 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 go beyond. Lord, God, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.